I really found a place with what I do in elevating the issues around environmental impact and the problems that we've created with pollution on the planet. Where I felt like I could actually do some something that was a point of difference was applying good design to those um, issues. Today on Dirty Linen's summer series, we are talking to my old mate, Sarah King. Sarah does so many things. I don't even know how to describe her. She's a designer. She's an activist. She's a maker and she's a doer. Sarah, welcome to Dirty Linen. Thanks, Danny. That was a nice introduction. (laughs) (laughs) How do you describe yourself when people ask you what you do? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, it depends on my situation, I guess. But I mean, essentially, I'm a designer. And I think I just apply design thinking to all the things that I do. So, yeah. Yeah. So I wanted to start this conversation by looking back at a way that we encountered each other a couple of years ago. It was probably just over two years ago. I went over to LA to do an event with Curtis Stone and I carried with me something that you had made uh, to give to Curtis and he got really excited about it and used it in his restaurant, Maud. Can you tell us about that object and the story behind it? Yeah, sure. All right. So that... It's a little bit of a long story. It started about five years ago now when I started working with a friend and industrial designer, Andrew Simpson, on um, a project around utilising ocean plastic waste. And um, we went on to create some products from that material that we developed and that particular product was a a cup that we'd just made and was designed by a... um, a Dutch designer, Kirsty van Noort, and we, I gave it to you. You took it to Curtis. Curtis liked it. And um, he got in touch with us to uh, create a whole lot for a dinner that he was, or a, um, a series of dinners and lunches that he was making around West Australian produce. And he he created a dish especially for the, the, um, the cup or bowl, which was really nice, um, which was West Australian lobster. And we thought that was resonated really well with the idea in the, um, in the object itself, which was that we were talking about the problem of ocean plastic waste and, um, and the fact that we wouldn't have lobster in the future if we don't do something about that. Mm. So much of what you do draws awareness to environmental problems, um, but you're also creating, you know, you, those conversations take the form of solutions, which I think is really powerful. And if we think about, like, just to describe the material to people who are listening, uh, it's, you call it marine debris bakelite. And so it is, it's this really tactile plastic it has the different colors sort of swirled and flecked through it from the the plastic that is um, collected from the ocean where it swirls around and cause all kinds of havoc um, I guess each item that you made is unique because the the material um, the material is unique it's not it's not a uniform material and it has a really nice sort of um, I don't know, maybe it sounds strange to say that this plastic has a warmth to it, but it certainly carries the story of its its origins and the story of the problem that it represents. Uh, But it's actually a really nice material to use. I mean, eating off plastic doesn't normally, it's not normally something you would um, think of as a pleasurable experience, but it actually is a really nice material as well. I think what you do, it's not just, it's not just like, here's a problem, 
it's really yucky. It's about, you know, finding ways to make even ugly situations very beautiful. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you've nailed it. That's I, I, I really found a place with what I do in elevating uh, the issues around environmental impact and the problems that we've created with pollution on the planet um, because there's plenty of people doing amazing things in that space in all types of ways. But what, where I felt like I could actually do some uh, something that was a point of difference was, uh, you know, just put applying good design to those um, issues and pushing things so that we're actually in we're getting to the point where we actually um, want back you know we desire the thing that we were discarding and and negating and treating as something that we didn't want in our lives so and to me that's an enormous design challenge that's really what excites me about what we're doing and I I've been a little bit baffled about why everyone at least in the design world, isn't more excited by that challenge. But, um, you know, I'll tell you a little bit more about the how awful it was when we got it, which which was um, when when I first got involved with this project, um, it, we met these this um, organisation that was collecting plastic from Australian beaches and they were really the first ones to be doing that. Um, and they were taking it inland and burning it uh, because it was the cost was prohibitive for them to take it um, to the tip, which actually sounds horrific and that was a big reason why we went into this project. It was like, you know, don't do that. That's worse than doing nothing. Give it to us and we'll come up with something. And we, we really challenged ourselves to come up with something very designed. Wow. Yeah. But, but I have to say also that that situation is not over. We're still incinerating so much waste. The textile waste problem is also... You know, it comes under that, it comes into that problem. Um, and, yeah, so much of this stuff is out of our field of vision, but that's really the reality. So, Well, let's talk now. This seems to lead on nicely to your current project. And I'm very proud that I'm the first customer of your little black smart dress. Um, tell us about that. I know. Thanks, Danny. I'm, I'm proud of you too. <laughs> and I have to ask you, actually, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you about it, but I want to ask you Important question too. Um, yes, so for the last couple of years I've been working with um, innovative circular business, Seljak brand, who um, utilise waste from a wool mill in Tasmania to make their blankets. And we got together to look at um, the issue of textile waste just because we both were getting all kinds of people coming to us to ask, you know, if there was anything that we could do to address that issue or come up with something and some solution in that space. Um, and we, uh, the project itself is called Pressing Matters. We've been developing um, using mattress waste, which is completely underutilised. No one does anything with it. It just goes to landfill or is incinerated. Um, so we've just been looking at developing that as a material for the furniture industry. And this, that just being involved in that space, in the textile space, which I hadn't really looked into prior, um, made me mindful of the, the issues. And and really, it was so shocking to know that so much of what we of the textile thing and the fast fashion thing, despite the what we hear about it, and we're all becoming a little bit more aware. But it literally is so bad, you know. It's there's no recycling or the recycling that there is is so minimal at the moment 
Um, it, it's just a massive problem that is going in a one-way direction. Uh, so, and I could see that what's contributing to that massively is the fast fashion industry. And um, while there's a lot of little, you know, groundswell of movement and, and it is happening and we've got this, um, you know, our world's transforming in terms of the way we're thinking about it, there's still a lot, I think, that needs to be changed in terms of our behaviour. So we can talk about the material stuff and we've really concentrated on that with supercyclers and, and um, recycling is such a big part of that and reuse. But I think a lot of uh, the issue lies with how we actually are because we, we, we've grown up and we live as consumers and that behaviour of just, um, you know, buying and not thinking about what's going to happen to the thing that we buy in the future is problematic to our system. That system needs to change. So... Mm. Yeah, sorry, this is a very long, convoluted way of answering your question. But what we decided to do was to create a fashion brand, which is the Sustainablest line, which with just one very important article of clothing where we would try to put all this into into the um, life cycle. So it's a, it's a dress, it's, it's a nice dress, it's a dress that I have kind of worn all my life and and is inspired by cinema of the Italian um, uh, neorealism in the 60s and, and Nouvelle Vague in France. So it's stylish. Um, and it's also um, uh, made of uh, eco-polyester so that it's a recycled material, which we looked at, uh, you know, I've really looked at the landscape of uh, what is... Uh, sustainable in the fabric and textile uh, landscape and it and you've just got to weigh things up I think at the moment my personal feeling on the subject is that we have a lot of stuff in the world there's there's already um, so much that we can reuse that non-virgin material is preferable for me so we went with that as a material choice um, but it's called the little smart black dress. And the reason it's smart is that we've given a little bit of tech, incorporated a little bit of tech into the dress, which assigns it uniquely to you. And we're asking you when you purchase the dress to go into a, a pact with us um, and the environment really, to say that you'll be committed with us to return it and we're actually going to collect it from you and at the end of its life cycle when you don't want to wear it anymore. So we're essentially creating, you know, the circular thing, but we're doing so in a way that makes you complicit in that. So you are actually a part of that. Now can I ask the question of you, which is... Go for it. Yeah, because I haven't had a chance yet to speak to anyone that's bought the dress, so I'd like to know because I, we've kind of slipped that into the process of buying the dress. And I wondered how your experience of that was. Well, I found it really refreshing and heartening and I loved it because I think one of the things that makes me really frustrated and sad is the fact that there is no responsibility for the various stages of a material's life cycle. So, for example, I just, um, I've got a stick vacuum cleaner and there was an issue with the wand so they sent me a new one and now I've got this old wand and there's no sense of circularity or responsibility on the part of the manufacturer as to what happens to this material and I think 
you know, you can, it's, we we just went camping, Um, you know, you have a sleep mat that um, something goes wrong with the valve and it's unusable, you can't repair these things, what happens to it? And I just think, I think a lot of consumers are really frustrated that um, that the people that sell the product like wash their hands of any responsibility and indeed you know that their business is selling new versions of the thing that they've just sold you. So there's that there's that built-in obsolescence, which is so much a part of our economy and we all know it's wrong and we all know that there are real limits to what is recyclable. We know that there are so many problems with the recycling industry. Um, and that I think manufacturers and retailers taking responsibility for the things that they sell is going to be a massive part of the solution. So I found it refreshing and it's the kind of contract that I would love to be part of with everything that I buy. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's a good answer. Great. Excellent. Yes. Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> it's definitely something that, um, you know, we thought about that would be not, it would be, you want to feel, I mean, this is the idea with fashion is that you want to look good, but you don't want to feel guilty about what you're wearing. If you can feel positive about it and know that you've contributed to something that's going to actually, you know, have a far lesser impact than the way it is at the moment. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think it's, it's only a positive thing. Yeah. I mean, you know, I've, I've also <laughs> sat down during, first lockdown in COVID and wrote this course, which I've published online called the Sustainablest Masterclass, which is really a whole lot of ideas about how, and drawing from my experience over the past decade at the helm of Supercyclers, which is my sustainable design initiative, um, just really simple ways that you can make change. And, and, Overarchingly, this is actually a philosophy. It's more about thinking differently. And, and the number one uh, concept in all of this is that we're no longer thinking about uh, the client or the money. Or I mean, we are, we are thinking about those things. It's just that there's a really big first client. There's something right at the beginning of all that, which is the earth. So if once you frame it that way and you're thinking about your impact on the planet and the knock-on effect in every way of that, it actually isn't as unwieldy as it seems. It's it's actually quite doable and it does, um, it tailors everything so that you, and I would argue, you know, that it tailors, it. you could do this in your house, you can you can apply the same thinking in your restaurant, <laughs> you can, you know, it's it's really just a mind shift. I think it's it's really powerful because I think the thing that's that I know has frustrated you at times is when people think of their action around sustainability as this thing that's ancillary to their real life. So you have your real life and then maybe you go out and, you know, you always pick up three pieces of plastic from the beach or, um, you know, whatever it is, it's like it's this other thing. But you're, what you're saying is that you really need to make the change or you're empowered to make the change exactly where you are. Yeah, I, I think people look beyond and see it as something that's um, evolving somewhere else other than themselves and that they'd have to become expert in that before they could really take it on. And just understanding that very first um, idea that, yeah, exactly what you're saying, that if you just look in your own front garden, you can really make some, um, you can make change and you can become a change maker in your own environment and the way I see it is that, it's, it, you know, everybody's doing that. You will no longer need to kind of think about the three pieces of well, the plastic on the ocean. We're all going to be doing that for a while because that's, that's mm-hmm. infinite. But um, 
and that's another issue. But it will also eventually evolve if everybody's taking care of their own sphere of influence. You know, I can just see it as this thing that will eventually all connect because we've we've um, changed it that way. And you know, it's going to take small changes to make the greater change. I think. So tell us a little bit more about the um, the course, the sustainablest course that you've written. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, what is it specifically you'd like to know? Originally, I wrote, I wrote it um, very much from a design perspective and, and wanting to speak to my colleagues and, and designers because, and not just designers, manufacturers and producers of stuff um, because it's really the material world that I'm talking about. But the more I thought about it and the more I've kind of looked back at the course and I get um, calls and inquiries about, you know, from different people in various places, in various occupations, saying, is it, you know, is this suitable for me to do? I just think it's because essentially every single occupation or everything um, that anybody does does have some material aspect to it, really. Um, you know, even if just using, I don't know, just using paper or, or whatever or just packaged goods or, or whatever it is, it's um, if you really stop and think about what in your life or what you're uh, responsible for in your daily life, uh, in your work, that is material. There, there is something, you know. So, um... yeah, I, I was. It, it kind of stopped me and made me think a little bit when I saw um, an ad for, I think it was a telco, and they were talking about the energy that it took to deliver a podcast, and um, I thought. I hadn't really thought about that before, but of course there is a carbon imprint even of a podcast, which feels like it doesn't um, use up material resources, but of course it does. Yeah, actually that's a really good point and something we've just started to talk about at the um, tail end of this Little Black Dress, uh, Smart Dress project, because Nick, my brother who I've worked with uh, on this uh, project, is, um, is an amazing techie. Uh, architect and uh, and and he's developed he's been doing this stuff since the 80s or so he knows kind of or 90s sorry no, that wasn't around in the 80s um, he knows it really well but he's actually applied his green coding skills to the website and app and and um, the tech involved in the, the dress which is really interesting space because yeah uh, all the um, our online presences, you know, actually involve so much um, power. Mm. Like, yeah. So is that in things like it doesn't, there aren't as many like pings back and forth, um, for example, like there aren't as many steps that the code needs to take to get to where it wants to go? Exactly. I mean, oh, God, I wish he was here to talk about it because it's quite deep and he's really started going off on this tangent now because, it, you know, I think there's also there hasn't really been any huge education in that area uh, for young people learning coding, and so it's very easy to just think of um, versions and and incarnations, and then everything that was kind of wrong is left there. And it, it, it's you know it's it's not um, it's a place where we went in thinking we don't have to worry about the waste because it's online and it's digital. But in, in what's actually happening is we're accumulating waste out there in a sense and that mm. kind of is a new area to be looked at if we really want to be concerned with every aspect of how we live on the planet and are affecting the environment, yeah. 
Oh, that's so interesting. Um, and 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 yeah, it's like instantly a little bit like, oh my god, how overwhelming is that going to be? Is that all those photos that I've got stored in the cloud? Like that, I should probably cull them for for more than one reason. Yeah, and- no. Well, <laughs> let me just tell you that the last conversation we had, he's so clever was about some devising some AI that might take care of that. So, yeah, stay tuned. <laughs> okay. So, Sarah, I know a lot of what you've done over the years has intersected with um, with hospitality and food and beverage um, delivery. Are there some things that you've observed in that world that um, perhaps people could take on as inspiration or action points? I mean, I think the number one thing is just back to what I was kind of trying to get across with the um, how important it is to just have this mind shift and that is to really not not feel as though um, there's some other thing that you need to learn. You just need to really think about what it is you already do and, and um, you know, I mean, it, uh, this isn't food industry but just for example, um, a, a consultation that I did recently was for a, a photographic studio who end up, you know, with a lot of waste left behind when some, when everyone else, when the job's finished um, and especially paint and that kind of thing. And they were just asking the question, they were accumulating all this stuff and they were like, what should we, what should we do with it? And I was, so it's a very simple thing to just Google that now and see that there's actually already an initiative that's collecting paint from people that, which is fantastic, I think, I just have to say, um, mm. yeah, to be to be taken care of and, and reinvigorated or, and recycled or whatever they're going to do with it. But it's like there are, um, it's like the, uh, um, the gaps are starting to fill with initiatives everywhere. So the moment that you think of, oh, this is probably not a sustainable way to, or I'm wasting this or I'm, you know, if you just take the moment to think about what might happen with that and have a look and see if there's someone around doing that, and if there's not, it's always a great place to start for doing it yourself, especially on a small scale. Um, mm. I'm really impressed with the work of Reground in Melbourne. You know you know about them? Yeah, tell us. Yeah, so there are a couple of girls who just started originally collecting coffee grounds from cafes and delivering it to community gardens. Um and that grew into, you know, somebody asked them, would you, we don't know what to do with our soft plastics um, at one of the cafes or restaurants. And, and they said, so they started, because they had that a few times, to collect soft plastics and deliver that to, um, you know, the places where they would be dealing with that. And it's grown into this um, enterprise. And, they're, yeah, they're amazing, actually. If, if, if there's people in Melbourne listening that, uh, don't know about them, check them out because mm. they might be able to help you. For sure. Yeah. Um, so, Sarah, let's finish by you talking me through the way you've recently been cooking tomatoes. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, that's that's as a result of going out with you, Danny. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we met, last time I saw you, you live in the Central Highlands, but we met in Sydney for dinner and it was the day that the Northern Beaches cluster was <laughs> gaining yeah. Gaining oh well. attraction, and I was starting to freak out about getting home to Melbourne. But in the meantime, we did have a really nice meal at Cafe Parsi, and one of the standout dishes was a tomato dish. So tell us about the dish and tell us what um, inspiration it's left you with. 
Yeah, I mean, I actually was going to ask you because I haven't even had a chance to speak to you, but I felt like it had some seasoning on it. I mean, it was definitely – so it was very thinly sliced tomato in – uh, I think it had to have been cooked gently, don't you? Just because it had some of the tomato oil had gone into the or juice. Yeah, the oil. So it was almost melted. Yeah, so that was what I've just totally tried to make it up based on what I'd had. But I don't know how, what the seasoning was. I mean, it was definitely rock salt, and then I felt like maybe some kind of. What do you think? What do you think? Uh, I think it was some, it was something, it was something a bit peppery and yeah, I don't know. I know the, I know the tomatoes were from Boon Luck Farm. Um, yeah. And, uh, Pelissa, um, Pelissa Anderson's farm. And so they're beautiful tomatoes, um, different heirloom tomatoes that were sliced really thinly. And I think they were just really, really gently cooked in olive oil and then seasoned. There was a bit of acid on there as well. Um, yeah. I mean, that's exactly, so I, that's what I did. I added a bit of sumac. I thought that was kind of, that was what I had in the cupboard. So I used that and, but it was really essentially the idea that you would, that you would cook it so low on such a low heat that 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 um, tomatoiness would come out into the oil without it turning into a uh, passata or something, you know. So, mm. Yeah, and it honestly, I've been eating that as like a meal. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I, I love, um, yeah, one ingredient meals are, I think, especially in summer when you just want to just like dissolve into beautiful produce and be quite lazy in the way you're cooking I think that one ingredient meal especially around yeah tomatoes are um yeah just a really deep form of pleasure <laughs> I know well thank you for taking me there because um we'll have, yeah it changed my it was, summer <laughs> yeah no, it was really fun um okay always so good to talk to you I cannot wait for my little smart black dress to arrive um and I'll be rocking it around Melbourne town and spreading the good word. But thank you so much, Sarah King, for having a chat to me today. Thank you, Danny. This is Dirty Linen and I'm Danny Vallant. We air the issues that the hospitality industry finds hard to talk about. We spend a week thrashing around each issue, hearing from different people with unique perspectives. We wanna hear from you as well. If you have something that needs to be said about a topic, get in touch so we can include your perspective. Contact us at dirtylinen at deepintheweeds.com.au or hit us up on Insta at Dirty Linen Podcast. We can't wait to hear from you. This is a Deep in the Weeds production. It's, yeah, it's a really tricky one because, you know, from a government point of view, I can... <laughs>